Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. It was late one summer evening in a place called Broken Bow, Nebraska. And I think Joe can relate to this. A weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop. The waitress there had just served him when three rough, tough-looking leather jacket motorcyclists came in. Uh, Kind of the Hell's Angels type, really rough-looking. And they decided, we're going to give this trucker a hard time. And not only did they verbally abuse him, one grabbed the hamburger off his plate, another took a handful of his french fries, and a third picked up his coffee and began to drink it. Well, how would he respond? Well, this trucker did not respond as one might expect. Instead, he calmly rose, picked up his check, walked to the front of the room, put the check and his money on the cash register, and went out the door. The waitress followed him to put the money in the till and stood watching out the door as the big truck drove away into the night. When she returned, one of the bikers said to her, Well, I guess he's not much of a man, is he? And she replied, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't much of a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles on his way out of the parking lot. You see, in Genesis 29, church... We see tonight the double dealer gets a double deal. You reap what you sow. In other words, the con artist is going to get conned. You see, we've been talking about Jacob, and Jacob has what? You know what he's sown all his life. He's sown deceit, and he's going to reap that. And so we're going to see that tonight, much like these guys coming in, in the story, and they're acting this way. I mean, you know what? You, you reap what you sow. And that pointed to Jacob. Now, the one thing that we need to understand, although we see the reaping and sowing principle, is that God's grace, even in the midst of this, guys, is more than enough to take Jacob through the trials ahead. And when it comes to reaping and sowing, we need to recognize the truth of that. And since we don't want to give glory to God, the world has actually changed the name. You go, what is it? They call it karma. Oh, that's bad karma, right? They don't want to give glory to God. But it's a biblical doctrine of reaping and sowing. It isn't just the law of the Bible, guys. It's a law of nature. Think about it, right? You put a seed in the ground, and over time it grows, and then you reap what you have sown. You decide you're going you're gonna, to uh, sow an apple tree, you hope to have apples eventually. That's just the law of nature. Not only is it a biblical doctrine, but we see it's also the law of nature. You see, the Apostle Paul had the same mindset, and he teaches this principle, if you're taking note, it's in Galatians chapter 6, 7 and 8, where the Apostle writes, don't be deceived, okay? God is not mocked, for whatever man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will reap the flesh, it will reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. See, Paul, in writing to the Galatians, understood that these are wonderful words to live by. He's saying to us, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. 
He says if you, it's better to reap and sow to the Spirit so that we can reap everlasting life. I think of that biblical principle, guys, and I think it isn't incredible how huge trees grow from tiny seeds. And this principle runs really throughout all of life. And we can never completely get away from the seeds that we sow, whether it's seeds to the flesh or seeds to the spirit. You see, we're constantly planting seeds. What are we going to reap? What are we going to reap? The problem is, is, is since life is full of this principle, I say we don't try to fool God or fool ourselves, and that we need to make sure the seeds that we are sowing are the seeds that we want to sprout up. Now, right now in our text, church, this is both Esau and Jacob, right? Now, as our story goes, we're going to say goodbye to Esau for a season because the focus in the text now focuses on Jacob. But remember what we've talked about, right? We've talked about Jacob is on the run. Okay, why is he on the run? Well, because he was deceitful. You know the story. He's on the run right now, and he's made, some, uh, he's made his deceitful bed, if you will, and now he has to lie in it. His mother, who favored Jacob over Esau, told him to go to Haran, where anywhere between, what, remember, 507 miles away from home. Remember, Jacob is 77 years old, okay? And about 500 miles from here is like Farmington, New Mexico. It's 300 to Albuquerque, another couple of hundred. So let's just say Farmington. That's pretty far, okay? So he's got to go. Now, remember, he's not going to get on a motorcycle. He's not going to get on a car. He's not going to take a bus. He's not going to take a plane. He is going to walk to Haran. He is going to go 500 plus miles. Now, remember, Mama looked at him and he said, Son, Esau's really steamed, Okay? And, and I'm, I'm sure Jacob's like, Mom, you did this. But, but, but just give him a few days. Just go to... I mean, I wonder if Mom realized that from here to Haran is 500 plus miles. I mean, that's, gonna, that's not just a few days. It's going to take him a while to walk there. Because we know the first day he walked 60 miles. But she says, just go for a few days, mijito. It's okay. Let your brother cool down. He's upset. He's very angry. Because why? Because Esau vowed to kill his brother when dad died. That's more than civil and rivalry right there. That's, that's, he's angry. He's upset. We know that Esau's walking in the flesh. We know that he's not demonstrating a heart for God, but that he's walking in the flesh. You know what? You wait till dad, listen, it was bad enough of my birthright, and I just can't, all my life we've been fighting, and now you're taking the blessing. You just wait. Mom's like, oh, no. And she sends him away. And she sends him away. Note with me in verse uh, 6 and 7 of chapter 28 real quick. It says, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob. Now, not only did he have a blessing, but he's going to bless him again. And he sent him away to Padanaram. If you're taking note, that's Haran, okay? He says, go take a wife from there. And that he blessed him and gave him charge saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan that Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother and had gone to Padanaram. Now, here's the problem, guys. Esau right here just trips out. You go, why does he trip out? Well, now he's going to try and punish. Listen to this. He's going to try to punish his parents by marrying Mahalath. Mahalath. He, she's the daughter of Ishmael. 
Hey, hey, God said, listen, don't marry the Canaanite women. Don't marry foreign women. Guys, they're going to turn your hearts away from God. Don't marry. Jacob, you need to go and you need to marry a girl from our family. Esau says, I don't think so. I'm going to marry who I want to marry, when I want to marry. And, and we know that he's upset with dad. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to grab the point. Why? Well, I heard this phrase, and it really stuck with me for for years upon years, and I want you to really understand that, okay? Let me paint the context, guys, so you can see. Let me see if you can fully understand this. Esau's super steamed with his parents. He's He's walking in the flesh. He's super steamed with his parents. He knows that Jacob, Jacob, please, listen, listen, son, go to Pandanaram, find you a wife for my brother. Listen, stay with the family. Don't marry these, these Canaanite, these heathen women. Well, Esau goes, well, you know what? What's the best way to get, get back at my parents? I'm going to marry one of these heathen, Hittite, Canaanite women. And I thought, wow. And here's the phrase that I heard. Now listen, listen, let this sink in, okay? Jot this down. Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. We see it in Scripture. Think about this, guys. When you feel like you have been wronged, you try and hurt those who you feel did the wrong. Well, they've... They favored, they favored Jacob. Parents are just, I can't believe this. I know dad sort of liked me, but then I started thinking, wow, wow. And I remember when they said that, hurting people hurt people because it's so true. It's so true. And when someone comes and wants to hurt you, the heart of Christ is to say, wow, how, how hurt are you? What did I do? Because in reality, we haven't done anything, have we? In reality, we're all just trying to live our lives. And in reality, we're, we're not even sure what we've done, but the hurt comes and... You see, Isaac and Rebecca didn't intentionally want to do this to their boy. They didn't sit in bed at night going, you know what? What could we do to punish Esau? He's such, a, he's such a man's man. He's such a hunter. What could we do? They didn't say that. But perception, this is what Esau saw. And so he wants to hurt mom and dad. I'll reel that in to our lives. Think about the people who seemingly want to hurt us or, or vice versa. Sometimes it comes out of a place that they've been hurt. They come out of a place where they're, they're struggling and they don't know how to deal with stuff. And sometimes it's perception. And you and I are called, as believers, to really step up and, and see where that hurt is coming from. You see, because here's the bottom line, right? Here's the bottom line. It's only Jesus that can heal those hurts. Guys, trying to even the score by hurt is not the Lord. It's actually the opposite. You know why? 
Here's what the Bible says this. Check it out. Here's what, here's what God's word says. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says this. But God showed his great love for us. How? By sending Christ to die while we were yet sinners. Do you see that? I mean, that verse blows me away. While we were yet sinners. And here's, let me break it down here. Listen, what he's saying is that you and I are a mess. Can I get an amen? We were broken. We were hurt. We were messed up. And here's what Jesus didn't say. Oh, that's how it goes. Sorry for you. You're messed up. Well, I don't know. That's not what Jesus says. And Jesus didn't say this either. I will only save cleaned up and nice smelling people. You know what? When Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He says, Abba, I love them. And even though their sins have walked me to the cross to die, I will gladly do it because I long to be with them. I long to work in them and through them. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says that. We need to have the heart of our Savior where where we realize that people are going to hurt us. And I know it's not fun. But we don't want to back up and we don't want to push people away. We want to see them with the eyes of God. And we want to see them. Last week, guys, Jacob finished, well, he had his first encounter with God. Do you remember? It's a place called Bethel. And it was a crazy dream where God showed him, do you remember the ladder, more like a staircase. And it was a symbol of two things. If you're taking note, it was a beautiful picture of having access to heaven. That's what he saw. That was the first thing. And then second, guys, listen to this. It was a symbol of fellowship open to the followers of Christ. It was too, it's such a beautiful picture. Now, what, you, what are you saying? I'm showing you the Old Testament has been pointing to the cross so that we can have fellowship with God. He's, he's going to show that even today. And I thought, church, how we must embrace his fellowship. Church, let me ask you a serious question. You ready? You said, yes, sir. Do you have fellowship with Jesus on a daily basis? Like, like if Jesus had a cell phone, are you texting him? Are you talking to them? Are you having fellowship with him? Because, guys, here's what happens. We get in the mindset that God is God. He's big. He's great. He's amazing. And he's up there somewhere. But I'm busy and I've got stuff to do and I don't talk to him. And I'm thinking, man, we got to embrace this fellowship. Why? Because he, he paved the way that we could speak to him, that we could have fellowship, that we could. I mean, think about this, guys. Think about this. Do you have fellowship with God on a daily? Well, pastor, I talk to him. You know, I tell him good morning, and then I get on my day. And then at night, I go, okay, thank you, Jesus, for another day. Amen. But do you, that, that's, not, that's not friends, is it? That's not fellowship. Two weeks ago, we were, we were driving to the men's conference in Amarillo. And Joseph brought mystery Oreos. Mystery-flavored Oreos. And Adam's in the front seat, and he's trying to figure out what it is. 
I won't tell you how many he ate. But we went, we had fellowship. We had fellowship. Why? Because he's sitting in the front seat. I'm talking to him. He's talking to me. And we're trying to figure out what this mystery Oreo is. Your pastor, that's weird. We did. Because we have fellowship. Can you imagine if, if we were like that with God? God, I got a crazy idea. I got mystery Oreos. Let's hang out and talk. Let's see what the flavor is. What do you think this is, God? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, a real fellowship where you, where you feel him and you communicate and he talks back to you and you walk with him. Well, the rest of the weekend, we had fellowship with brothers and we talked. And I'll tell you another story. Because Adam had coffee at 9 o'clock at night. He kept me up till 1 o'clock fellowshipping. But we had a great time. We had a great time. We talked, guys. We, we've, it was so cool. But you go, Pastor, what's your point? My point is, is that I, I want you to have that relationship with Jesus. You see, because Christianity can't be that, well, I prayed a prayer and now I'm saved. Okay, amen. And I'm about to go about my day. But are you spending time with the God that created you, with the God that loves you, with the God that has a plan for your life? Is he the most important thing in your life? I'll tell you why. Everything and everyone will mess up that time if you let him. You've probably seen this if you're on, on social media, but I like this, right? Because it kind of describes the difference between religion and a relationship. Okay, there's a lot of people who have a religious affiliation with God, and there are those of us who have a relationship, and the goal is to have a relationship. Can I get an amen? But I heard it like this. Religion says, oh, oh I messed up, but I'm afraid to call dad. Where a relationship is, oh, I've messed up. I need to call my dad. I grew up in a world, I don't know about you, I grew up in a world where if I messed up, I didn't call my dad because I'd be in more trouble. And I'll never forget this. I'll never forget. I don't even know how old I was, 10 or 11. Me and my friend were riding a bike. Okay? We had one of those bikes with the banana seat. He was in the, he was in the front. I was in the back. We were both pedaling. And then we were going, and we were riding around our neighborhood. You could do that. We were free-range kids at the time. We could ride around the neighborhood, right? And I remember we were going down like this. We were going down the road, and I remember I put my signal, okay? I remember putting the signal. They taught us the signals, the bike signals. And as we turned, the last thing I heard was, this truck had hit us. I woke up in the street, and I remember my friend was crying, oh, my leg, I broke my leg, my leg hurt, my legs hurt, and, and I, was just, I was just out of it, and I could hear the ambulance. But you know what I thought? And it's a sad testimony. I thought my dad's going to be mad at me. And I remember all the way to the hospital, I thought, I'm in, uh, I don't want to be in trouble. And, of course, that wasn't the case. You guys know that. But think about it. That's exactly, guys, that's exactly what, what a religion, well, I go to church, I do these things, but I don't have a relationship with God. And when we mess up, is he the first one you run to? 
Or do you step back and try to hide behind stuff and go, listen, let things cool down, (laughs) you know, because I don't want my dad to find out. Well, back in our study, I also also find a super-duper encouragement in verses 13 through 15. You guys know that, right? Because Jacob goes up, he... He lays down, and it says, at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and the Lord said, I am the Lord God of your father Abraham and the God of your father Isaac, and you're lying on the ground that belongs to you, and I'm giving you this and your descendants, and your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth, Jacob, and you will, and they will spread out all, this, all directions, east, west, the north, the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you. I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land, Jacob. I will never leave you until I have finished giving you everything I had promised you. That's what the Lord said to Jacob. You go, Ben, why do you find this encouraging? Because Jacob was a booger. I find this encouraging because at this point, Jacob hadn't repented. Jacob wasn't going, oh, he wasn't walking. He was a mess up. He was, he was, I mean, think about it, guys. He was a spiritual downer. He was a deceiver. He was a manipulator. All he thought about me, 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 me. That's what I get. What do I want to do? And God still spoke to him. And I thought, how cool is that? Why? Because I know I feel like Jacob at times. I know I'm a mess up. And God speaks encouragement into my life. And he speaks his grace and his comfort and his hope. Because of Jesus, he speaks that. I don't deserve it. God speaks that right there. And I can't help but thinking, do I have the mind of Christ? Why? Do I speak these things into people's life? Do I? What's my heart? You can do a real quick test. Think about what comes out of your heart. Think about what comes out of your mouth. Because out of the abundance of the heart, you're going to speak. And we want to speak life into people. Now, listen, I get it. We can't always be all encouraging. Hi, everybody. I'm just, I'm just Mr. Happy. I'm happy. You know what? My, my, my clothes are on fire, but praise the Lord. You know, I get it. We can't be, but we can speak life into people. If we have the same mind and the same heart as my Jesus, and we'll be able to see people that way. And we can see how they're hurt. And we can see how they're messed up. And God gives us supernaturally ways to pray for people. When we know they're hurting. And we know they're broken. He does. We don't always take it, do we? But God's doing this, guys. He's doing this in this. And and this is who God is. God could have easily said, Jacob, you know what? Man, I know. Listen, I messed up. I'll I'll find somebody new. But he doesn't. He doesn't throw us away, guys. He doesn't discard us when we mess up. He doesn't kick us when we're down. I'm thinking this is so super cool. Well, I love that verse. And tonight, guys, we continue to see the life of Jacob as he's going to make it to Haran. And he's traveled northeast And he makes it to Haran, and that's where we pick up our study. Chapter 29, verse 1. So Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and he saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep laying by it. For out of the well they watered the flocks. A large stone was on the well's mouth. Now all the flocks would be gathered there, and they would roll the stone from the well's mouth, water the sheep, and then put the stone back in its place, in the well's 
mouth, okay? So Jacob, he's made it. He's there, but he ends up in a well. Now, I know what you're thinking. When we talk about well, our mindset goes to a big hole in the ground and water deep below. When growing up, well, I didn't grow up, but when I visited my grandma, she lived in Taos. She had a well, and you had to lay down the bucket and pull it back up, and boy, that was the best tasting water in the world, but that's, that's how I knew a well was. But here, the Bible describes a little bit different. It's like a well on the side of a mountain that, that they would roll a stone in order to keep the water from coming out. And then when all the flocks got there, they would roll the stone away. And so when Jacob comes up, he sees sheep lying by it, and they're all waiting. This huge stone covered it. And then when all the flocks would get there, they'd roll the stone, they'd water everything, and, they'd, 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 and then they'd roll the stone back and go on their way. I don't know if you caught it or not. But I think God has been trying to communicate the gospel message since the time began. Because we're only in Genesis 29. But how many of you see it? You go, Pastor, I'm not sure what I see. You see, all those that would read this story in the future could see the path to the Father. Pastor, I'm not sure what you're talking about. No, 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 listen. Because it's the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. You see here, this reminds me of the tomb of Christ's resurrection. You go, what are you talking about? Remember when Jesus rose from the grave? What did he say? He says, man, I'm going to give you living water. I'm going to give you living water. So the tomb, the stone was rolled away. Jesus comes out, ascends to the Father, gives us the Holy Spirit, That's the living water that lives in us. Not only that, he says that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. Now, think about this, okay? Think about this. Let me put two and two together, okay? Let me put two and two together. Remember in our John study, just a few months back, Right before that Jesus was to go on trial, around chapter 7, right before he was to go on trial, okay, and then be crucified, I mean, it it goes, right? Do you remember what Jesus did? Jesus stood up and he said in verse 37 of John chapter 7, he said, on the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. For he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow living waters. Wow. That is super cool. And you say, why? Because that's exactly what what Genesis is trying to communicate. We've, We've got to look for it. We've got to mine some stuff. We got to dig deep. And you go, why? Well, okay, two great things are happening here, guys, if you're taking note. Why? Because first of all, it's symbolic of the tomb of Jesus. It's symbolic of the tomb of Jesus. Roll away the stone, living water comes out, water for them to eat. I mean, it's refreshing. Okay, everybody, all the, all the sheep drink. Yeah. Okay. Now what? Well, let's close it back up. You go, but, but what is it? Here it is. You ready? Jot this down. This is even, this is just as important. You're like the well. You're like the well. 
Believing in Jesus allows you that living water to flow out of your heart. Do you see it? What's the problem, Ben? Too many people want to cap your will. The enemy wants to cap your will. He wants to cover that living water. The world wants to cover that well. You're a living well. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. He's given you a voice. He's given you a mouth. He's given you opportunity. And the world says, no, stop talking about Jesus. No, we don't want to hear the gospel. No, we don't want to people get saved. We don't want to see people healed. We don't want to see people walking in victory. We don't want to see God pouring out blessings. And they want to cover the well. But Jesus said if we believe in him... It's going to be like a, like, a, like, like a gushing. Is there a river flowing out of you? No, no, no. I'm serious when I say that. Take a look at your life. Take a look at your life. Is there a river of living water flowing out of you? When you go places, is it, I've got to tell people. I've got to share. I've got to encourage. When people ask you for help, or advice is that living water coming out of you? Because, see, that's what the enemy wants to do. You go, Ben, sometimes I feel it's just like a trickle, just a trickle a little bit. And what's blocking it up? Well, what's, what's, what's blocking Let's take it away. Well, what stone is blocking that up? Because that's what God created you for. You're looking at me like, Pastor, hurry up. But here's the thing. Listen to me. God has such an amazing plan for every one of you to do things that are super extraordinary, to believe him for the extraordinary, for the blessings, for for what God wants to do. He wants to take your lives and he wants to just turn the world upside down. But we're letting people block our will, aren't we? We're letting the world block our well. I don't, want, I don't want my well blocked. Where does it start? It starts in the mind. What are we thinking, guys? What are we, what are we putting in our mind? What are we putting in our ear gate? What are we putting in our eye gate? What's, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't teach a Bible study. I, don't, I can't teach a Bible. No, I can't talk very good. Okay, Moses, calm down. That's exactly what Moses said. You guys remember? I don't talk very good. I don't know. God wants to do incredible things, and that's the whole point. Listen, that's the whole point. Tell me, what do you think God wants to do with a young man like Joseph? He's not that young, but you know what I'm saying. He's younger than me. What does he want to do with a young man like Adam? What does he want to do with a young man? Well, Gio's not that young, but a young man like Gio. What does he want to do? What does he want to do with a male? He wants to turn the world upside down if we'll let him. And then I look at these kids here, man. I'm just like, yes, because God wants to do things that, that would blow people's mind. He wants to use you. He wants to take you. He wants to put his word inside you. He wants his spirit to live so radically in you. You see, every, every one of your peers is running this way. And God says, go that way. Are you sure, Lord? I'm, that's upstream. I want you to go upstream. 
trust me, watch what I'll do. Watch what I'll do. But we sit here week after week. We sit here week after week wondering, what, what does God want to do with my life? Guys, we need to step out. We need to, we need to find what God wants to do. Because he wants to do something, don't you think? I mean, think about it. This is what he wants to do. You are that living well. Well, in verse 4, it says, And Jacob said to them, My brethren, where are you from? And they said, Well, we're from Haran. Now, remember, five to 700 miles away, guess what? Jacob made it. He's there. He's in Haran. Okay. Now, think of all the time, guys, that it took that he had to spend with God. Think about from the time he left all the way to Bethel. He has this dream. I mean, think about it. The, 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 listen, what is he going to have out there in the middle of nowhere? He's going to have quiet times. He's going to have alone times. He's going to have nights under the stars. Listen, he's not going to have no cell phone, no internet, no TV, no movies, no distractions. That's what Jacob has on his way to Badanaram or Haran. You know, Pastor, what's your point? Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. We need to make time, everybody say make time, to spend with Jesus alone. Away from distractions so that we can hear his wonderful voice. We need to. We need to. God, I don't, I, I don't hear your voice anymore. God, I can't hear you. That's because we have so many things that are distracting us. Well, pastor, I went to that Calvary church and that pastor told me to get rid of my cell phone. And my, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying get rid of your cell phone. What I'm saying is, is Jesus comes first. Let, let's put the distractions aside for a little while. Take your phone, put it away. Turn off the TV, the internet, whatever it might be. Get alone with God. Get your Bible and a notebook and just wait on him. Just talk to him. Just talk to him. 30 minutes, an hour, if you can spare two hours. This is the God of the universe. Pastor, my Bible's on my phone. No. No. We're so, we, listen, maybe you are, but I'm not disciplined enough to, I'm not. I need to put that away. Listen, church, I grew up in an era, I grew up, we didn't have the internet. I'll never forget looking at watching TV and it was www.something. I was like, what is that? I mean, it was just being introduced. Tony, you know what I'm talking about. We didn't have that. You didn't text your mom you were going to be home. There was no text. You yelled out the window, I'm coming home, right? Or they would yell to whatever it might be. You know what text message we had? When the lights came on, when the street light came on, it's time for you to go home. Now, I know you guys don't understand that because you grew up in a different world, but we grew up without that. And now we live in such a real time that whatever's happening in Israel right now, we know today. We know in minutes. But be careful. But be careful, guys. Be careful. Verse 5. Then he said to them, do you know Laban, the son of Naor? And they said, yeah, we know him. And he said to them, is he well? In other words, where is he? And he said, he's well. And look, his daughter Rachel is coming up with the sheep. Now, jot this down. Ready? 
Real men ask for directions, okay? You got that, Josh? Real, real men ask for directions. Why? Jacob didn't have GPS, guys. He, he didn't have road signs. He ended up there, and he had to ask, hey, does, do you know Laban? Oh, no, we don't know Laban. Oh, I knew I should have taken that right turn at Albuquerque. You know, Bugs Bunny reference. He didn't know. So he had to ask. And then, guess what, guys? And then it says, oh, yeah, we know him. And look, there's his daughter, Rachel, coming up with the sheep. And so he goes, then I saw her face, right? Now I'm a believer. He started to say, right? He's starting, he's starting to sing that. He's, I mean, that's what he did. And I mean, think about this. Well, how do you know Jacob's in love? How do you know he's singing the song from the 60s, I'm a believer? I'll tell you why. Look at the next verse. Check it out. Verse 7. Then he said, look. It's still a high day. It's not time for the cattle to be, it's not time for the cattle to be gathered. Water the sheep and go and feed them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, and they've rolled the stone from the well's mouth and we'd water the sheep. Now while he was still speaking, Rachel came with his father with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now, think about it, guys. Think about it. What is he trying to do? Look at that. He saw Rachel. And now he's trying to get rid of the guys. Hey, come on, listen. Why don't, why don't, listen, what, y'all need to leave. Y'all need to leave. There's daylight still left. It isn't time to round up the sheep, is it? So why not water the flocks and go back to grazing? Come on, guys, get out of here. And they're like, we can't. The well, the stone. Well, Jacob really believes in love at first sight. And the dude becomes super strong, right? You know what I'm talking about? He's like that mom that lifts the car to save her baby. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, I mean, he's in love. Why? How do you know? Look, 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 look at verse 10. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Can you believe that? All of a sudden, he's like, hey, whoa. Dum-dum, dum-dum, dum-dum. Wow. Well, what do you need? Well, I'm here to water the sheep. Let me help you. There you go. Yeah, just flex a little bit, right? There's Jacob flexing in front of Rachel. Yeah. You see that? You see that? Isn't it amazing what we'll do when we're dating and in love? Isn't it amazing? Man, we'll move stones. I mean, we'll move rocks, right? We'll water flocks. We'll do whatever it takes, right? We'll chase the other fellas away. When you're dating, you're just like, I'll do anything. What do you want me to do? I'll do anything. And when you get married... It's a little bit of the opposite, isn't it? It's a little bit of the opposite. Josh, how long have you been married now? Not even a year yet. Just a few months. See, Josh, when he was dating, he would move stones. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that he doesn't, but here's the point. Guys, we should still be doing that. 
Joe, we still should be doing that. Tony, we still be doing we sh- we should still be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. When you're married, you should still do those things out of love, not because you want something. Right? We don't wash the dishes, men, and then look at our wives and wink, wink. Hey, I wash the dishes. You know, wink, wink. We, we, no. So what does, so what does Jacob do? Verse eleven. Then Jacob kissed Rachel, and lifted up his voice and wept. Now again, when we read this verse, we're like, wow. Okay. I always like to put myself in the role, especially with my wife. And I'll never forget the first time I met her. And there's no way I wish she would have let me kiss her. You know, she would probably would have punched me in the nose. So you need to write on here, this was the standard greeting of the day. He kissed her, but it wasn't a romantic kiss. Or maybe for Jacob it was. Right? Maybe for Jacob he was like, hubba, hubba, wow. Whoa. But then I said, well, why did Jacob weep? Why did Jacob weep? Is anybody ever, why did he, I mean, first he's like, this happens guys this happens when god brings or god begins to break you into his will let me say that again jacob wept because he started to see the scales begin to fall from his eyes and he begins to break you into his will and then you begin to see the blessings you don't deserve that's why he wept You see, biblically, here's what God says. Don't you see how wonderful his kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this, does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that its kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? You see, it's your kindness, the Lord says, that leads us to repentance. Oftentimes we think it's his wrath. God's going to spank me. I don't want to get spanked, so I'm going to turn. He goes, no, the problem is, is I mess up and God loves me back to life. And that's, that's what he's doing right here. I mean, Jacob has been a booger. You guys know that? He's been a manipulator. He's been, he's been ugly towards his brother. He's, you know, he's, he's played the favoritism card. And now he sees, oh my gosh, even though I've been such, so awful and so ugly, God is blessing me. Look at Rachel. My parents sent me out here to find a wife and she is gorgeous. He fell in love. He fell in love right there. He fell in love. Right? Verse 12, and and Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's relative and that he was Rebekah's son. So she ran and told her father. Then it came to pass when Laban heard the report about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him. And brought him into his house. So he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him for a month. You can write under here, we are family. That's what he says, we're family. He says, by the way, now remember, what what jarred in your mind when we read that? Laban was the same dude that came running. Do you remember? When the servant was looking for, for Isaac, for a bride for Isaac. He came out and, ah, what is it? Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Isaac's boy? 
Isaac is blessed. Let me go see. Let me go see. And so he comes up and he says, man, listen, we're family. And it says, he stayed there for a month. Do you guys remember? I want you to put yourself in mama's place. Okay, what does mama say? Mama says, just go for a few days until Esau, just, just go for a few days. Well, a few days has now turned into a month, we know for sure, not counting travel time. So he's been gone for a month. Do you ever wonder what mama's thinking right about now? As she looks, you know, at Esau to see if his anger has diminished at all. I bet she's starting to miss her boy just a little bit. Then Laban, verse 15, said to Jacob, because you are my relative, you should therefore serve me for nothing? Question mark. Tell me, what should your wages be? Now, listen to me, church. This is some really great insight right here. Why? Because now remember, Laban's going, hey, listen, you've been here for a month. Listen, and you're working. You're not going to just serve me for free. Tell me what What should I pay you? Now, here's the insight. Remember, Jacob comes from a very wealthy family, and he wasn't lazy. Amen? But he was not used to the work of a servant. Note his reaction. I want you to note it in the next few verses. Why? Why? Listen. Ready? If you're a fast rider and you could take this down, jot this down somewhere, you go, what is it? You will never know what kind of servant you are until you've been treated like one. You will never know what kind of servant you are until you have been treated like one. Jacob has no idea what it means to be a servant. But he's about to find out. And you go, Pastor, what's the point? Well, guys, let's pull some application out of this, okay? Here's the question. What kind of servant are you? What kind of servant are you? In other words, can we serve the Lord Jesus without any praise from men? If if people weren't coming and patting you on the back and saying how wonderful you are or thank you, could you still do what you do for Jesus? You see, there are a lot of servants out there that want to be recognized by men and they forget that they're serving God. Right? What kind of servant are you? Do you go home at night and go, man, I am fulfilled because I'm serving the Lord Jesus. And, and in serving the Lord Jesus, whether it's worship, teaching, sound, cleaning, whatever it might be, you can go to bed at night because the servant you are is the servant of the Most High God. And you go, amen. And when somebody says, hey, thank you for serving. We appreciate you. And you go, well, praise God. I don't, need, I don't need that because I know who I am in God. The problem is, the problem is, is that there's a lot of people who want to serve. I think about Jeremiah. We're in the book of Jeremiah in our, in our one-year Bible. And Jeremiah preached the gospel and nobody got saved i got to be honest with you. If I was Jeremiah, I would have quit. And I know he did. He's like, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. Nobody's even listening to me. And I wrote down here, can you share the gospel even if no one listens? 
I'll tell you why, church. This really spoke to my heart because when I first got saved, I would share the gospel with everybody. I love Jesus and I wanted people to go to heaven. And today I find myself as a pastor not sharing like I used to. Where did that passion go? What happened? Oh, listen, people get saved when I preach. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift. But I'm talking like one-on-one. I used to be so bad. And I don't know what it is. Did we get so politically correct? Did we get so that we can't share? I think about hurting and broken people in our world, at our jobs. And God says, I put you there. I want to use you. You need to share. Okay, Lord. Okay. How did you get saved? How did you get saved if nobody invited you, nobody shared Jesus with you? How did you get saved if somebody didn't tell you about God? I want that passion back. We'll never know We'll never know what kind of servant we are until we're treated like one. I'll never forget this, guys. I was a assistant pastor on staff at Calvary Chapel, Rio Rancho. I was ordained. Oh, and I was on staff. Pastor Robert came to me and he said, hey, listen, this, this, is your, this is your job description. Your job description is you're overseeing the cleaning ministry, you're overseeing the bookstore, you're overseeing, and he gave me a list of things to oversee. But I'm a pastor, you see. Now, overseeing cleaning ministry and cleaning are two different things, but I found myself cleaning the church more often than not. While I'm on staff, I'm here, and I remember, I'll never forget, I was in the corner room and I was doing the vacuum, and, and I was so upset. I was so upset. I'm like, I'm a pastor for crying out loud. What am I doing? This is janitor work, and I'm cleaning, and, and I'm cleaning, and I'm cleaning, and I'll never forget the Lord broke through. And he said, really? And I was so convicted that I had to go and repent in front of my pastor and say, I am so sorry. I've acted like a brat. You see, I thought when I was a past when, you, when when I was a pastor and I came on staff that I'm going to sit in a nice office and I'm going to counsel people and I'm going to study the Bible all day long and I'm going to be the pastor. You never know what kind of servant you are until you're treated like one, and I, and the Lord broke me, and the Lord broke me. Now, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were delicate. Everybody see that? It just means that they're, I mean, she wasn't as beautiful. She, just, she was just delicate. Some believe that she squinted. Some, it just. But the Bible says this, Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, and so he said, notice what he says, guys. I will serve you seven years for Rachel your younger daughter. What are your wages, bud? Listen, this is a dowry. He says, the wages you could pay me, put on my account. Just give me Rachel. Everybody see that? 
How cool is that, right? How cool is that? Now, think about this for a moment. No matter what you go through on earth, your pay, your wages, listen to me, is that you get Jesus. Whatever I do, however I serve, put on my account, I only want Jesus. And Laban said, it's better I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. In other words, he says, deal. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and notice this, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Oh, what a romantic verse, is it not? Seven years seemed only like a few days because I loved you that much. That's an awesome verse. That's an awesome verse. So let's close. Among the most romantic verses in the Bible, certainly not one of the mo- certainly one of the most romantic in Genesis. I mean, here's Jacob. Jacob's going, ah. You see, we were going to do all 35 verses tonight. But we decided not to because there's so much more. Let me give you a preview in two weeks, okay? Let me give you a preview. Spoiler alert, okay? You know the culture. The culture says that dad, that the older should not marry before the younger. So guess what? Dad, the double dealer, right, gets a double deal. He sneaks in Rachel. He sneaks in Leah. They're veiled. He consummates the marriage. Guess what? It's Leah! Dad says, well, you know, man, boom, you just got conned. But see, that's not what the story is. I want to show you something in two weeks. It's so incredible. Because Leah feels so unloved by Jacob that she names, she names her kids, oh, now he'll love me. Oh, now I'll feel attached. She was having kids hoping that her husband would love her until the very last one. Something happened between Levi and Judah. She names him Judah, which means praise. That she's like, it's not about Jacob. It's about Jesus. And the application is so cool because there has to come a point in our lives where it's not about the things in this world, but it's about Jesus. That's the gospel. So, Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We love you so much. We bless your name. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. 
Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.